It should be clear and obvious uh, as you see that in your Bibles that these are the last verses of Hebrews, the, the entire book. Hebrews 13, verse 20. This is the word of God. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I appeal to you, brothers, bear with me my word of exhortation, for I have written to you briefly. You should know that our brother Timothy has been released, with whom I shall see you if he comes soon. Greet all your leaders and all the saints. Those who come from Italy send you greetings. Grace be with you all. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is for us to open your word and know that your word is inspired. All of scripture is inspired by you and profitable for teaching and reproving and correcting and training in righteousness. And Lord, our prayer and our desire is that would be so now as we hear your word in Hebrews proclaimed. We pray that you would change us the glory of your name. Amen. May please be seated. This is uh, the final uh, sermon on a long series that we have gone through in the book of Hebrews. As is appropriate, we have focused on Christ, because that's what Hebrews does. It exposes and extols Jesus Christ above everything, above all else. And as we have gone through this, we have focused on Christ and tasted and seen that He is good. And that he is worthy of our praise, worthy of our worship. In chapter 1, Jesus is portrayed as God's final word, the best word. He is the creator whom angels worship. In chapter 2, Jesus is, was lifted up as the founder of our salvation who became flesh to die in our place. In chapter 3, we saw that he is greater than Moses. In chapters 4 through 10, that's a long portion of the book of Hebrews, he is portrayed as our great high priest who offered himself as the end of all sacrifices. In chapter 11, he is the one whom Old Testament believers longed for and hoped for. 
Chapter 12, he is the author and finisher of our faith. And in chapter 13, he is the one who will never leave you nor forsake you. God included the book of Hebrews in his canon of Scripture for your strength, for your encouragement, and for your perseverance in the faith. And today we're looking at these final verses, which are a capstone of all that we have looked at. They're the benediction. Benediction. Latin for good word. The benediction. And my desire, my prayer, is that we bask for a little while in wonder of what we have in Christ Jesus. Of what it is to have Jesus. To have Jesus, first of all, means that you have a God of peace. Now, may the God of peace, you have a God of peace. Through the Prince of Peace. And, and, and that, that means that God is not just at peace with us. He is at peace with himself. Many people grew up in very hard situations and in family situations that were broken or... Uh, very hard, very difficult. For many people, they have earthly fathers who were not at peace with themselves. They were very unsettled, seemed to be very uh, divided and torn, very frustrated, double-minded, like James speaks about in James chapter 1, a double-minded man, unstable, Maybe very distant and angry. Maybe that you grew up in a home where your parents didn't seem to possess the fruit of the Spirit, didn't seem to display the peaceable fruit of, of righteousness in the family, in the home. So that your home was a place of tension and stress and fear and sadness and uncertainty. Where you're always walking on eggshells because you don't know what's going to happen next. Now I believe that I've just described many homes. And if you could have had your way growing up in such a situation, you would have had a happy 
home, a secure, a relaxed home. If we could have had our way. And what God's word tells us today is now you have that. In Jesus Christ, you have that. You have the God of peace. Your Father in heaven is a God of peace. A God of peace in himself. He's not frustrated. He's not wishing things were different. He's not, he's not uh, tired of the way life is. He is at peace. But he is at peace with you as well. What a wonderful thing that is. This is why I, and I mentioned this uh, this past Wednesday in the, men, in the men's Bible study. This is why the Bible speaks about us having a peace that passes understanding. Because though we may have grown up in a household like I just described, and though we can lose our job and and find we have cancer and life can be a mess around us, we can still know that it is well with my soul that I'm a child of the God of peace and that the strugglings and the trials of this life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed to us in Christ Jesus, Paul says in Romans 8. That's our privilege. In Christ Jesus, we have the God of peace. What a wonderful blessing that is. Secondly, in Christ Jesus, we have a living shepherd. Verse 20. We have a living shepherd. The great shepherd of the sheep is Jesus Christ. You know, this is, by the way, interestingly, this is the first time in the book of Hebrews that Jesus is called our shepherd. He is the one to lead you and to guide you. You cannot, you cannot it seems to me, uh, coming to the New Testament passages and, you know, when Jesus speaks about himself saying, I am the good shepherd. And then we read passages such as this. He is the great shepherd of the sheep cannot help but bring to mind Psalm 23, can we? The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He is the God of peace. He protects me. His rod and his staff, they comfort me. This is what we have in Christ Jesus. He is one to lead you, and he is the one to protect you. He was dead, but is raised so that he cannot ever be defeated by death or by any other enemy. And that one is your shepherd, your protector, your keeper, your guide, and your leader. And we are his sheep. We've been purchased by, the writer of Hebrews says, the blood of the eternal covenant. That means Christ's blood. 
His death sealed for all of God's elect a covenant that will last forever. That is, we have eternal salvation. This is is brought out in chapter 5 of Hebrews. Verse 9, we have an eternal salvation that cannot be snatched away, cannot be taken from us. We have redemption. We have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we have an inheritance, an eternal inheritance. This is all part of that covenant of grace in which we are united to Christ. And it is not a covenant of works. It is of grace. And therefore it cannot fail. If it were a covenant of works, (laughs) and if we were responsible for that, we would fall short and it would fail. But in Christ we have a better covenant. And it cannot fail because it is all of God. And really the whole book of Hebrews is saying, you have such a shepherd. Keep following the shepherd. Keep following the shepherd. Don't stray from the shepherd. Because only he can lead you to green pastures and to still waters. Only Christ can do that. Only He can bring you to God's right hand where there are pleasures forevermore. Only the Good Shepherd can bring you there. Don't stray. Don't leave. Follow the Shepherd. In Christ Jesus, you have a God of peace. In Christ Jesus, you have a living Shepherd. But in Christ Jesus, you also have a God who equips you. Verse 21. May this God equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. You have a God who equips you. You have, you have a covenant with God. His covenant with you is eternal and is sure because He provides all that is necessary. He provides the resources. He equips us to do His will. This is why we uh, profess and rejoice in The Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because it's the Holy Spirit who is working in us. The Holy Spirit works in us, gives us faith, and a faith that works itself out in love. Which is all what we're looking at in chapter 13. What does that faith look like? The Holy Spirit does that. You have a God who equips you to do His will. He is working in us to do what is pleasing to Him, we read. 
what is pleasing in his sight. The very essence of the new covenant, the covenant of grace, is that God keeps his side of the covenant and God keeps our side of the covenant. That's the very wonder of it. That's the very essence of it. He not only equips you with resources for doing His will, He works in you what is pleasing in His sight. He is working in you. He is doing it. He is giving you persevering faith. Without faith, chapter 11, verse 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God, but now we see here that God gives us, He is working in us to do what is pleasing to God. One of those things clearly is that He is building our faith. He is increasing our faith. This is what we have in Jesus Christ. He is working in us to do what is pleasing in His sight. This is true comfort. What I mean by that is the comfort of this is that you are not secure in your Christian walk, in your Christian life, in your Christian faith because of your talents, because of your strengths, because of your abilities, because of your whatever you want to include now in that, because of you. You are not secure in your faith because of you, because of who you are. You are secure because God is sovereign and God is faithful. And God is the one who is working in you. Way back in Ezekiel chapter 36, God promised when he was speaking about the future and about this new covenant, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my ways. Wow. I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my ways. God is equipping you to do his will. He is working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Really what this means is all the exhortations to persevere cannot be accomplished by our own efforts, by our own will. All the exhortations that we have in the book of Hebrews to persevere cannot be fulfilled unless God is doing it. And he is doing it. <laughs> That's the comfort. That's who we have in Jesus Christ. A God who is equipping you and a God who is working in you. In Jesus Christ, we have a God of peace. In Jesus Christ, we have a living shepherd. In Jesus Christ, we have a God who equips us. And fourthly, in Jesus Christ, 
You have a God of grace. Grace be with you all. Verse 25. You have a God of grace. Amazing grace. Abounding grace. The grace of divine peace. Thinking through what we've just been saying. You have such a God who in Christ Jesus, we were, apart from Christ, we were enemies, but now in Christ Jesus, we have peace with God, the God of peace. We have the grace of divine peace. We have the grace of God who not only has united us to himself through Jesus Christ, but who by the living shepherd watches over us, cares for us, guides us, That's all of God's grace. Grace be with you all. What a wonderful thing to say. What a wonderful thing to hear. We have the grace of of the eternal covenant of God that secures an unbreakable relationship. Grace be with you all. We have the grace of God's commitment to equip you and to work in you what is pleasing to him. This grace be with you all. What a wonderful thing this is. What a wonderful thing this is saying to us. Grace be with all of you. And not just so that we may feel good. Not even so that we may have such wonderful salvation. It is ultimately for the glory of Christ. There we have again in in verse uh, 21. Through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever. The point of all this grace that you have received, that I have received, the point of it is so that Jesus would be magnified, that Jesus would receive the glory and the praise. That's the whole point of it. That's the ultimate point of this chapter in Hebrews 13, the whole book of Hebrews, the whole scripture itself. The whole point of that is so that Christ would receive the glory, that he would receive the praise. The whole point of all creation, the whole point when God said, beginning with let there be light and throughout all of history is so that Christ would receive the glory. That's what it's all about. That is the ultimate point. Of all things, the glory of Jesus Christ. And through him, the glory of the Father. And the work of the Holy Spirit is to ensure that that happens. And so he is equipping you. So congregation, these final words are like the capstone of the book of Hebrews. 
Hold on to Christ. In Christ, you have a God of peace. In Christ, you have a living shepherd. In Christ, you have a God who is equipping you. And in Christ, you have God's grace. It has uh, been, for me, this a, a wonderful uh, travel through Hebrews. When I was early on in my ministry, I was a little intimidated uh, by the book of Hebrews. Uh, didn't quite know what to do with it, but uh, thankfully, you know, uh, we're not static in our life, and the Lord gives us growth. And so uh, as a pastor, you know, as I uh, was uh, increasing in my studies and in my understandings, I came to Hebrews and just, just love the book of Hebrews. And I think every believer, every true Christian who understands what's happening in Hebrews will love Hebrews because it proclaims, extols, and gives glory to Christ. That's what we want. That's what we're looking for. That's what we're a part of. And by God's grace, that's our blessing to do, to give glory to Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the book of Hebrews. We thank you, O Lord, that Christ is our all in all that he is your final word and he is the best word. Lord, forgive us for uh, looking elsewhere for fulfillment or for peace or for guidance, for strength. Lord, we're weak and we are prone to wander Forgive us and increase in us, O Lord, a zeal for Christ, a zeal for his glory. Increase in us a love for you, O God. Increase our faith. And may this message this morning have been used by you to do that. And also, Lord, as we now come to your table... May that, too, be a means of your grace to strengthen our faith. Hear our prayer for Jesus' sake. Amen.